Good evening, citizens. My name is Van Shattersong, captain of the Bloody Hand Mercenary Company. Well, former captain of the Bloody Hand Mercenary Company. I am reliably told that there is perhaps a new one. You see in these dark, cold corners of the labyrinth, well, there's... It's hard to describe. Sometimes you can feel maybe others passing past you. Other times they're like the smallest whispers on the wind, barely perceptible. And other times, strong, powerful, howling gales that buffet you, that deafen you. One such gale has brought me a little tale. This wind carrying news of warfare well, I can only describe it as delirium. So, sit back, relax, and allow me to tell you and regale you with the tale of what has been occurring on the world beneath this plane. The Vale of Isemba has a bad reputation, and deservedly so. There is something about it that attracts ne'er-do-wells and scoundrels. You can probably see where I've got my information. Ruined during the liberation of Kask, the remains of the town and the land around it have been claimed as a veil by a self-styled boyar named Alexei Iskandrova Isembroich. This boyar has been gathering outlaws, bandits and brigands to do his cause along with the worst kinds of wagon raider and sellsword. The dregs of Varushkin society, bolstered by scoundrels from as far afield as Temeshwar and Northern Dawn, these bandits have been demanding protection from caravans, passing through cask and robbing those who refuse to pay their illegal road tolls, and generally complicating the settlement of Ossium. The final straw has come just before the spring equinox, when a vicious band of thieves launched an armed raid on the town of Kosti, in Kobovnosti. They failed to penetrate the high walls, but only due to a contamination, or a combination of chance, if you will, and vigilance. Enough is enough. The robber boyar and the ruined town itself that lurks like a cancer at the heart of Kask have to go. The Varushkin assembly are in agreement. They join their voices to those of the people of Kask, calling for the problem of Isemba to be solved once and for all. So, following the spring equinox, nearly 70 military units, commanded by Imperial captains, descended on Kask. While many are the warbands of Varushkin warriors, the majority, surprisingly, are from Dawn. Knights and yo-folk alike flocking to the woods of Kask to put a stop to banditry and brigandage. Several of the latter reach Kask by ship, crossing the Semelak and disembarking at the docks of Ivar's guard under the cover of darkness. Other Imperial captains gather their forces at Kosti and at Varesk in the shadow 
of the broken barrow. A number of mercenaries have also been drawn to Karsk. The quartermaster general of the Imperial armies has decreed that the Imperial Gerdaren be offered to anyone who fights to remove the stain of Assemba from Karsk. Now, most of these independent captains work closely with the magistrates and the <laughs> militia of Karsk. The magistrates have been tracking several of the bands of outlaws working with the boyar of Isemba and are able to provide valuable advice on how best to take the fight to them. It seems as if half the magistrates in the Northwestern Empire have made their way to Karsk this season, ensuring that the raid remains on the right side of legal and offering practical support to those who will lead it. There is another significant factor in preparation for the raid on Isemba. The Ketsov of Osium have been granted permission by the Imperial Senate to establish a veil at the Mir Mozga. While the Ketsov may have a reputation for selfishness, they have also vested interest in supporting efforts to solve the Isemba problem. The last thing they want, after all, are bandits with expensive tastes on their doorstep. While they don't have much in the way of an actual military might, they have access to the magic weapons and enchantments that make them available to the gathered captains who wish to take advantage of them. They also grudgingly delve into their own vaults to hire cell swords, not drawn by the Imperial Gerdaren, to help bolster the raid against Isemba. Prior to the main attack, there are scattered engagements between individual military units and bandit gangs. It is remarkably easy to actually find the bandits. They are using the iron roads of Karsk, both because that is where their prey is, but also because Varushkins know better than to stray too far into the wilderness. These initial sweeps serve two purposes. They thin the ranks of the outlaws, and they send the survivors scurrying back to Isemba. Now, as these independent captains approach Isemba, the assault itself begins, perhaps a month before the summer solstice. There are enough warriors to surround Isemba to take control of all the roads into and out of the ramshackle town. It is clear that the self-styled boyar has managed to convince some of his followers to set up makeshift defences. Barricades, lines of stakes and the odd meandering stake pit. These defences proved to be woefully inadequate. Suitable for dealing with any roving bands of wolves perhaps, but offering little resistance to professional soldiers. The Imperial forces quickly penetrate the outer perimeter and the bulk of the fighting takes place through the ruins of the town itself. It is a close-fought battle. The outlaws fight like cornered rats, one of the most dangerous animals in the world, if you ask me, employing vicious underhand tactics and exploiting their close connection to the terrain. At first they are trying to kill the invaders, and then when it becomes apparent that they are overmatched, they seek escape. While the outer defences are weak, it soon becomes clear that there are additional defences within the town itself. A series of tunnels 
have been excavated beneath the ruined homes, connecting cellars and basements with a network of hidden passages. There are also a number of traps and deadfalls which the defenders know how to avoid, but which are all too easy for an Imperial soldier to wander into. Spiked pits, weighted nets, envenomed spears and collapsing walls all pose a potentially lethal threat. Made all the worse by the fact that the outlaws take the opportunity of soldiers being occupied by a death trap to launch attacks of their own. There is one other feature of the Battle of Isemba that the attackers, or at least those who are not Varushkin, are often entirely unprepared for. It is, perhaps naturally, a Navari who spots it first, but many of the Isemba bandits appear ill, solo, with dark rings under their eyes, sometimes with blood crusted around their nostrils. They also prove to be relatively easy to kill, succumbing quite quickly to their injuries. The import of this observation is not immediately obvious, but as the battle goes on and the first outlaws begin to stand up again, it becomes obvious that there is dark magic at work in Isemba. At least half of the outlaws, when they are struck down, rise once more as unliving husks. Shambling monsters, possessed of a insatiable rage, they assault the Imperials who killed them, gathering together into deadly and fast-moving packs that rush howling through the broken streets of Isemba, hunting for invaders to kill. A few even fall on their own allies, tearing into them and bolstering their own numbers with as many of those they kill. Runners go out from the Varishkin warbands, especially those belonging to Warden Fellowships, and they bear a desperate warning. The rumours that some dark power was present in the town have proved true. There is a plague wolf somewhere in Isemba. The beast has obviously used its terrible, mephitic breath to infest the defenders of Isemba with its abhorrent curse of unlife. Guided by the unseen creature's will, the reanimated bandits prove to be even more dangerous than they were when alive. It is as if they are possessed of a single mind. What one sees, they all know. The packs cooperate silently, exploiting any crack in the Imperial ranks, and as the day drags on, some of the Varushkins become nervous. If Isemba is not conquered by nightfall, the situation will become much, much worse. As evening creeps closer and closer, the last defenders of Isemba retreat back to the Sovereign's heart, the old rebuilt inn that once stood proudly at the centre of the town. It also, ironically, appears to be the centre of the dark influence that has fallen over the town. The shadows cling like cobwebs to the area, and the stench of death seems to rise from the soil itself, 
a low dark mist coils around the ground, full of magic and enslavement. Those who are exposed to the unnatural aura quickly begin to feel ill and start to evidence the early stages of the same sickness that has infected many of the Isemba outlaws. While some of the raiders seem keen to press forward, wiser voices prevail. Rather than try and attack the Sovereign's heart directly and risk whatever darkness lurks within, the decision is made to move to the final step of the plan. Barrels of oil, torches and lanterns are brought forwards. For barely an hour to go before nightfall, grim-faced Varushkin warriors set fire to the Sovereign's heart and the buildings surrounding it. Some quick-thinking captain suggests pouring some of the oil onto the tunnels as well, both to spread the fire and deal with any remaining outlaws, and also to get rid of any husks that have taken refuge below ground. A few of the more soft-hearted Imperials balk at this cruel idea, but there is little stomach for venturing back into the subterranean passages, where the advantage lies with the defender. As the fire catches, a terrible bestial howling goes up from multiple throats. It strikes fear into the hearts of all, save the most courageous Imperial. The retreat is sounded, and the ruins of Isemba are left blazing like an earthbound star throughout the night. The threat of the Isemba outlaws has been ended and the raid a complete success. The majority of the outlaws were killed, in some cases two or more times, or were taken into custody by the militia and magistrates. Those who are fit to stand are questioned and tried. Most are executed. I understand what that must feel like. Notable by their own absence is the boyar himself, Alexei Iskandrova Isembryoch. The boyar was certainly spotted during the raid, a few people having briefly engaged him and his shlakta. But they are certainly not among the prisoners, and nobody can confirm with any certainty that they were killed. Perhaps they simply died in the fire. As to the dark power, some of the outlaws noticeably bear the mark of the plague wolf. They are reticent to talk, but a few are encouraged to share what they know in return for clemency before their trials. Whatever it is that lurks in or under Isemba is no typical member of the breed. Rather, it seems to be an elder of its kind. This is a matter of much concern. The elders themselves are practically sovereigns in their own right, possessed of much greater power than those that anyone present has ever dealt with. It seems unlikely that a mere conflagration will have dealt with a creature of this power. If Alexei has made a pact with it, 
then it is no more likely that he will have perished in the fall of Isemba. With it destroyed, the Fellowship of the Black Goose, a warden fellowship, have appointed themselves guardians of the ruins. They plan to establish a fortified hall overlooking the scorched ground to ensure that nobody else tries to take up residence and to ensure that the ruins remain undisturbed until the dark Varushkin forests finally swallow them up. It must be said, dear citizens, that plague wolves are some of the most dangerous creatures that you could find in the entirety of the Empire. Eight, nine, perhaps ten foot tall, huge, hulking, wolf-like beasts with claws that can impale any lesser trooper than those wearing full Dornish plate. They are mighty and devastating. And this is just themselves alone. They are magical, able to infest an area with a miasma that turns the dead into their own personal husks. Some might draw some obvious similes to the Valorn husks, but these plague wolf husks are worse. Fast, almost wolf-like beasts, and as we've heard, will hunt in packs and take all but the most vigilant warrior. Alas, having fought one myself, and when I say fought, I mean watch it kill a lot of my compatriots. I'm afraid I can't quite tell you what works on it. You must be bold, you must be brave, courageous, if you will, and you must be prepared to lose at least some of your friends, and if not, your own life. 